these days. And as Paul was reminding us as he brought the notice tonight, God wants to continually work in people's hearts. And we're believing that um, as we continue to establish all that God wants to do in us, he's doing it through other people as well, but as he's doing it in us with a sense of calling and purpose to be in this place for such a time as this, then God can do uh, amazing things. And tonight, so I'm just going to challenge your heart for a few moments to realize that actually you can play an invaluable part in all that God wants to do. Uh, and um, we just run into this little series during the autumn uh, called Take Heed. It's an old-fashioned word, uh, but it's a little phrase that occurs in some of the older translations of the Bible. And um, it's probably not a word that we use too often today. But it simply means to note, to be attentive to, to acknowledge. Um, it's like a, a sign that would go up. Uh, and uh, for instance, you maybe wouldn't use this, but perhaps um, a, a traffic light, a, a sign. Um, and uh, you wouldn't use the word, well, you need to take heed of that. But somebody might say you, you need to know that that's taking place. It's that sort of thing that we're talking about. And uh, we've just been in this part of the building for a few weeks now. And um, those of you that, of course, are aware of the journey will know that we, we, we started the journey of Arena Church Mansfield um, just over three years ago now in, in the Mansfield Town football ground. Uh, and then and once or twice we got locked out of that, not our re- reasons, but other reasons, so it was at the snooker club. And then um, we moved in here sort of just after Easter, we're at the top end of the building, um, and it was still in a place of uh, uh, decoration and repair, and then we've been in here, and the first few weeks of being in here, we particularly wanted just to uh, declare afresh the good news of Jesus. Christian did that several times before being away, and it's good to have Christian and Caroline back, isn't it, with us? And, and yeah, someone's going to give you a clap. Why? Yeah, come on. <laughs> it is good to have you back, and, uh, and we're glad that you've had a good break too. And, um, and then we, we just felt that we wanted just to revisit some of the things that really sit at the heart of what is the journey of Arena Mansfield. So we talked about taking heed to the Word of God, the Bible. Still God's Word today. Um, If people deride it today, it's nothing new. They've always done it. There's always been people getting up saying it'll never last another generation. It always will. The Bible says that it endures forever. It always will. And I'm I'm thrilled that we've got young people uh, emerging in our church that want to carry a love for the Word. It does me good. Because it goes from one generation to another. I'm thankful that we've got kids' church. And in all the fun that they have and all the preparations that they're beginning to make now for special Christmas services, it'll center around Jesus and his word. Laying something into people that hopefully, by God's grace, they'll carry all of their life. And then Julie reminded us last week that we need to take heed to worship. It was just a great reminder, a great exhortation that right at the heart of all that we do does need to be the Lord. And we know that it's more than songs. Uh, And and it's more than a service. It is a lifestyle. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. But it includes this, uh, this sense of coming together. God God does something here that he won't do anywhere else. There's a power in gathering. And we're believing this gathering is going to increase. It's going to grow. It's going to be influential. It's going to be a great place to be part of. Tonight, I want to uh, just read a few verses from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And uh, I think they'll come up on the screen, but those of you that have got a Bible in, however you access it in these uh, uh, modern days, uh, maybe you'll just read these, uh, this verse or two with me as uh, I read it. And it's towards the end of Mark's Gospel, and 
I'll start to read at verse 41. When the ten heard this, just give you a little back cloth, just, um, there was a request from James and John, the sons of Zebedee, part of Jesus' apostolic band. They said, Jesus, we'd, we'd like to sit at the right hand and, and left hand of you in glory. He says, you don't even know what you're asking for. And you, you don't even know what you have to go through to get it. And uh, the, the, the other ten, the Bible's very kind in terms of its language. It says they were indignant. Modern language, they were really ticked off with James and John. So, he says, he says, when they ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. That's the whole of the twelve. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servants. And whoever wants to be first must be slave or last of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, the, the, the heartbeat of tonight in these few moments that we've got is that we take heart, take heed to servanthood. If you want another expression of the title of this message, what is the true root to greatness? And the true root to greatness, friends, is not that we're clamoring to be on the left or right hand of Jesus. It's not like the people of those days that lorded it over others. Jesus said, if you want to be great, then you must be a servant. A servant. And I believe that this is a really appropriate and applicable challenge into our day and context. You see, there are many people today that are ambitious, even in church circles at times, to be known, to have a profile, a prominence, want everything to revolve around them. I've heard leaders say, I don't do that, I'm a leader. Really. Or, I don't do that, it's not my gift or calling. I want to I be quite bold tonight. If you get pompous and arrogant about your gift and calling, that means that you stop being a servant, don't be surprised if you don't flourish in what you think is your gift. And calling. You see, because God's calling us to be servants. Servanthood isn't to get us somewhere, it's what we're called to be. Servanthood doesn't open doors that we no longer become a servant and get somebody else to do it. It's our life's calling to be a servant. Young people, if you want to be great in the kingdom, that you need to buy into the principle of being a servant of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul talks about his past life, and then he says, I'm blessed that God's appointed me uh, to his service. In some translations, it, it reads something like, he's appointed me to the ministry. Ah, so we think that the ministry is something different to servanthood. But the word there simply means service. Paul says, in all that I was, I'm thankful, Lord, that you've appointed me, you've called me to be a servant. I was reading this in the Spirit-filled Bible, in the margin. It says this, becoming like Jesus means becoming servant-hearted. Some may seek to work miracles, but Jesus did not say his first work was that. Some may desire recognition or to exercise the power Jesus functioning, but Jesus did not say his primary purpose 
was to display his power. Jesus said his primary purpose was that he came to serve. To serve and to seek those that are lost. He came to serve as an example of humility and self-sacrifice. Even now, he continues to serve as our intercessor, praying to the Father on behalf of the church. The primary call to the church is to, see, is to secure and multiply Jesus' model of servanthood by creating an atmosphere and a ministry that emphasizes and produces servants. The ability and opportunity to serve are gifts from God. And true growth, when it is pure, will produce the fruit of service. Now, many of us in Arena Church will know this. And I totally accept that. I'm just calling us afresh to take note, to take heed. That this will continue to sit right at the heart of our journey of Arena Church. And, and here Jesus brings the 12 together and reminds them that he's called them to serve. Not because he's asking them to do something he's not done but out of his example. He says, my primary purpose is to come and seek those that are lost and to serve them for the glory of God and for the praise of his name. Now in the New Testament, which was written in the Greek language of the day, there are a number of words, probably seven in all, where they drive down to the word servant. The two most recognizable would be the word doulos, which means bound to God or in as a bond slave, in bondage to God. The other one is diakonos, which means to pursue or to help or to assist. It's where we get in the tradition of some churches around the world, uh, the word deacon. And uh, deacons are often known for their service. Actually, in some churches, well, we've delegated spiritual authority to them, asked them to run the church and wonder why it's not worked. It's not the calling of a deacon. But the reality is, friends, that if we simply leave the work of serving to a group of people called deacons, we miss the point. Because the reality is, we're all called to deacon. We're all called to serve. Doulos speaks of what we are as servants. Diakonos speaks of what we do. It's a verb. In other words, we say that we are, and then we do something that expresses the servant heart. You may say, well, this seems a bit upside down, Phil, because I thought the gospel was all about setting people free. It absolutely is. I thought that when we came to Jesus, you know, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In fact, I thought I read somewhere in the Bible that I'm a son of God. Absolutely. And we don't want to push back on any of that whatsoever. Here's the upside down teaching of the Scriptures. I have to say, friends, with some frustration, I find that most of the church just don't get this. Talking about the church. I just, I don't think they get it. Here's the truth. The Bible says that when we come to Jesus, he makes us a son. He brings security to our lives. He brings us to a place where we don't have to prove ourselves. He welcomes us back to him. And when I use the word son, I'm using that in the generic term, ladies. It's not, it's not a male thing. But he draws us back to himself. Sons of God. The security of knowing that we're in the family. That we didn't have to prove it. That it wasn't through religious works. That it wasn't through trying hard. It was simply because God loved us. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. And if you've never received that love tonight, if you don't know that you're part of the family of God, then the, the greatest decision that you can ever make 
is to say, God, I receive you into my life through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and know the security of being a son of God. Servanthood simply flows out of that. We're not serving tonight to try and prove ourselves to God, to gain his approval. Oh, if I go out one more night a week, if I have to do something else, God might like me. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He says, come into my family, the security of being part of his family. And out of that security of relationship, out of being set free, we willingly bind ourselves to him, knowing that the more we give ourselves to him, the more we live in freedom. I know it sort of seemingly doesn't make sense, but if you'll implement it into your heart, you'll find that it works every time. The Apostle Paul said in, um, in, the, in the Acts of the Apostles that he was bound to Christ. He was given over to Christ. And he was a man that lived in amazing freedom. So God wants you to enjoy all the blessings of belonging to his family, to be secure in him, to be accepted in him, to be received of him, to be freed by him, and then to give yourselves absolutely and totally to his purpose and to his plans in serving the Lord. There are many people in the Bible that serve God. Joshua 1.1 says, Moses, the servant of the Lord. 1 Samuel 3.9 says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel. Psalm 19.13, Keep your servant from willful sins. David. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Let me just give you three or four things that express themselves in servanthood. Number one, serving, it always reflects Jesus. Remember what we read in Mark's gospel. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He is our example. If you say to me tonight, as we've sung in the song, all I want, all I need, more of you, less of me, then God is calling you to follow his example. And he says, I came to this world to serve it. And if you want to follow my example, you'll live in this world to serve it. And how did Jesus illustrate servanthood? Well, a few hours before he was to be crucified, he got the disciples together again. And uh, in the Eastern customs of the day, often there would be a lot of washing of feet. It doesn't make any sense to us because we live in a different era. But in those days, in terms of walking and travel and hospitality and welcome, there would be servants that would do the lowliest of jobs. They would wash people's feet. And Jesus, just a few hours before he's going to be taken to the cross, gets the disciples together and he begins to kneel down. John 13, you can read all about it. And begins to wash the disciples' feet. He was doing something that was of the culture of the day. But he was sending out a loud message that he wasn't afraid to continually live as a servant. And this church, friends, wants to carry the towel and the bowl of water continually in its hands. Not necessarily literally, but illustratively. We want to be a church that has a towel and a bowl of water at the ready to kneel at people's feet and serve them. It follows the example of Christ. Secondly, serving, it must flow from the heart. The Bible says that out of the heart come the issues of life. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Serve 
wholeheartedly. This will not come out of your intellect. You'll rail against it. You'll, you'll explain away why you shouldn't do it. It'll come out of your hearts. It'll come out of that which is the real you. It will express itself in humility. And God says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why, amazingly, friends, all over the world tonight, and I'll come back to this in a moment, there are Christians serving in all sorts of broken places, and it seems as though God's grace comes in a special way. It's because it's the principle of the Scripture. It works itself out in availability. We lay our lives down for the Lord. And it works itself out in tenacity. We keep going at it. Let me tell you a story about a guy called Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler is a very respected American Christian author. And uh, he tells the story about how when he uh, was uh, a young boy, he used to go to Sunday school. Sunday school is still quite big in the States. And uh, what they often do is they'll bus people into the main center. And Norman tells the story about how he used to go to church every week to the Sunday school classes. And he went there for year after year after. In fact, he went for eight years. Now, if we let him have two weeks off for the equivalent of going to Skeggy on holiday in the States, that's 50 Sundays a year. 58. We can order that comic. It's 400 Sundays. This guy clambers on the bus to go to the Sunday school 400 times. And you know what? He was picked up by the same bus driver every week. Never made a decision for Jesus. Just kept going to Sunday school. Sunday school teachers getting material ready like Helen and the team have done tonight and other members of the kids' church team faithfully getting ready, slaying into this lad. No response. No commitment to Jesus. Just turned up and went to Sunday school every week. And then he came to high school. Similar age to some of the guys and girls in the church tonight. 17, 18, 19. Beginning to think through some of the real issues of life. What do I want to do with my life? What's it centered on? What's it all about? Bit of a thinker perhaps because he's emerged to be a great author. And so he's going to this church and he says, as I got to high school, he says, I, there was a day, so I went to the same church, same time, same place. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. And then he asked the question, what if that bus driver had given up on this kid called Norman Geisler? says, he's going nowhere spiritually. I'm not going to drive this bus anymore. But the guy came and came and came and came. This young man received Jesus as his savior and emerges to be a great communicator for the cause of the good news. Here's the truth. Anybody that's ever given themselves to serve in the church of Jesus Christ has felt like giving up. The problem is that the little accusing voices, well, you're the only person that's ever felt like giving up. You're a wrong Christian. Everybody else just carries on. It's only you that feels like giving up. But I'll let you into a secret. We've all felt like giving up. We've all kicked our shoes off on the end of a Sunday night and says that was a complete waste of time. Nobody was listening. Nobody was taking any notice. Nobody was bothered. I'm never going to do it again. And guess what? We turn up next week. I was talking to an august group of leaders about a year, a year ago. Sharon was with me. And I says, what's the secret of a long expression of ministry in the, in the church. They're on the edge of the seats. It says, we just turn up every week. Just turn up every week. Just keep going. Tenacious in serving. Who knows if there could be a Norman Geisler in kids' church tonight. Who knows if there could be an evangelist that would touch our nation with the good news of Jesus. Who knows if someone's going to 
give somebody a gift of healing that's going to impact for Jesus' sake. And kids' church just keep turning up every week, just serving in, just sowing in. And some of them seem to be making no difference at all. All they're bothered about is the pool afterwards. But we keep going. We keep turning up. Six o'clock on Sunday night at Mansfield. And then one week they get it. And they change forever. There are grown-up people in this church tonight that were like that. They went to Sunday school. And the Sunday school teachers thought they were absolutely not interested at all. But one day something happens. And now they're raising families to serve the Lord. They're living for Jesus Christ because they're tenacious. If you have given yourself to servanthood and felt like giving up, please don't condemn yourself. Beat yourself up and think you're the only Christian that's ever thought it. We've all thought it. The important thing is that it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It just means that you can be encouraged to press through into all that God has called you to be. See, the darkest hours before the dawn, when it seems worse, when it seems nothing's happening, when it seems breakthroughs a long way away, it's right on the doorstep of where we're going. It really is. Servant of Friends is always operates in team. And as someone said, it's amazing what can be achieved by a team when it doesn't matter who gets the glory. Dot, dot, dot. In Arena Church, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I want to ask you, friends, tonight, does it matter if you get the glory? Or if you've done all the hard work and then somebody else gets all the plaudits, that really will will check out your flesh life. You've done all the hard work and somebody goes diving up to somebody. So that was a fantastic... Hang on a minute, with me. I did all the organizing. Hey. But you see, it doesn't matter. It's amazing what can be achieved by a team when it doesn't matter who gets the glory. And serving must always have a focus. And that focus is threefold. Number one, we serve God. Number two, we serve each other, Galatians 5.13. Number three, very importantly in Arena Church, we serve this needy world with works and words. We serve this needy world. And we recognize in Arena Mansfield that we've still got a journey on all of that. But I tell you, friends, we're committed to it. We're committed to it. Just starting, we've done other things, but just next week, just a little opportunity to serve three till five here at the church. Just giving people teas and cakes, just letting them see what's going off. It's an opportunity to serve into the life of the church. It's a prophetic mandate that's upon us and we're not budging from it. So let me ask you a question. Why not more servants in the church of Jesus Christ? I'm talking generally now, but I'll drive it down to arena. Why not more servants? Well, you see, because servants are very often unseen. If you're living your life forever to be seen, you probably won't serve much. It's an obtrusive. It's modest. It's unshowy. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes unappreciated. People don't say thank you. Are you going to still turn up and serve? Now we're creating a culture of encouragement and thanks. But what if it doesn't happen? It's sometimes unknown and unrewarded. It sometimes seems that people are unresponsive. And at times it can be unkind because in a metaphorical sense, friends, if you're serving, if you're knelt at a context with the, bowel, the, the towel and the bowl of water, then sometimes, not literally, but in the sense of serving, you might get the water kicked in your face. That's how it works. That's how it worked in Jesus' day. Jesus says, I'm looking for people that will make a commitment to serving me, whatever. Next summer, I was reading this just this week, and it just struck me. Next summer, the attention of the world will be upon Brazil because it's the World Cup. 2014 
Sorry, ladies, you're going to have to put up with football during the summer as well next year. And we're going. And we all know what's going to happen. We're going to get to the quarterfinals and lose to Germany on a penalty shootout. There we are. There's the, pro- there's the prophetic word, you know. There's the prophetic word. And the reality is that in Brazil, there's great wealth. In fact, if you'd invested in the Brazilian stock market over the last few years, you'd have made a few quid. It's done very well. But there's also huge poverty. Like many of the emerging nations of the earth, there's this, there's this huge sort of gap between those that have got something and those that haven't. And high on the hills of Rio are the favelas, the, the shanty towns, the slum towns. And just a few minutes away, there were people living in luxury, but millions and millions of people live in the favelas of Rio and other great cities of Brazil. Now, I was reading this report. It was dated earlier this year by an American missionary called Eric Reese. That 13 years ago, with his family, felt a mission call to go and serve the favelas of Rio. <clears throat> to live in poverty and violence amongst the people. And he said this, he says, the reason I do this is I see every person here as a creation of God. And he loves them. I'm in my 13th year of ministry. We've faced dangers many times. There's been times when I've left the home realizing and, think, and my wife and children knowing that I might not come back. But God has given me a grace to minister into this situation and to serve it for his glory. And when I think about that, it makes it all worthwhile. I want to tell you, friends, you can go to the sewers of Bucharest tonight where kids live in Romania. You'll find people that are serving for the kingdom. You can go to the rubbish heaps of Guatemala where kids scavish off the litter to get a, to get a, a crust to live and you'll find the kingdom serving. You can go to the... the, 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 the uh, the, the tombstones of the Philippines, Manila, where kids live in the cemeteries, and you'll find people like Julian Saunders that have given their life to serving. You go to Albania, and you'll find somebody like Rachel Wilson that has relationship with this church, that sacrificed many things and lived in a singleness to serve a nation for Jesus' sake. You've heard about George Ridley tonight. Just a few weeks ago, just on my right-hand side, just behind John and Sandy, we had Neil and Lou Hudson that serve into a context with their three little children in Albania. And so I could go on for The kingdom's amazing. And it's all because of Sunday night services and Sunday morning services like we've had where people have heard the heart of God and said, you know, for me, it's not about getting a name. It's not about sort of this and that, but it's about responding to the heart of Jesus and saying, God, you've placed something on my heart. I'm going to serve. And for us, friends, it's in the relative comfort of this uh, room tonight that feels particularly comfortable because the boiler's on and, uh, and the heating's working and it's beautiful. Uh, but the reality is we face many challenges, many challenges in, in the town and the area. But our calling, our context at this time is to serve into it. And I want to encourage you as we close tonight to be a people that freshly take heed to serving. Here's a few things to think about have I understand the, apply this to yourself. Have I understood the difference tonight between being and doing? So you need to be secure in who you are, and out of that will flow the doing of what God's called you to be. Are there any heart attitudes that need to be adjusted into my life? Are there any prejudices? Are there any impure motives? Are there any resentments that are stopping me being what God's called me to be? Am I independent in spirit? Am I passionate about working with other people? Because it's amazing what can be achieved when it doesn't matter who gets the glory. 
Are there creative ways to explore in my life in serving the lost that have yet to be implemented? Have I determined to give my life over to serving the Lord Jesus rather than serving my own ends? Will I stay the course of serving? Even when sometimes there appears to be no apparent return, payback or rewards in this life. You see, the heartfelt response to this challenge brings us to a place one day, friends, where we will stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account of our lives. It's not an account of our sin. It's been dealt with. And I wonder if we'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. How does that work out into arena? Well, in arena, friends, we want to grow the life of the church. And it may be tonight that um, you've got aspirations to say, you know, I, and, and I prayed over people the other week unashamedly. You've got a passion to be a preacher, a communicator. But it might start by saying, yeah, I'm going to don that yellow jacket and be on security. Yeah, I know it's pitch black, and, but we need somebody on security every week. Or I'm going to put my name forward for making the teas once a month. Or I'm, I'm going to be the chair steward and make sure all the chairs are... Okay. In other words, all over this building and all over the ministry of Arena Mansfield, there are opportunities for you to serve. And the reality is, friends, that we want to fight you to find the bullseye of your gift. We want you to move into all the potential of what God's called you to be. But it may start with something relatively small, something that nobody else seems to be taking too much notice of. But God's touched your heart. And we fuse all that together as the body of Christ, all of us working together, all of us giving ourselves to what God's called us to be, to see the kingdom of God advance for his praise and for his glory. God's going to open up doors for us going forward, opportunities to reach out into the community, opportunities to get involved in expressions of ministering to those that are needy in the town and in the area. There's going to be so many areas where you can respond to the invitation, to the challenge, and to the example of Jesus Christ. He says, whoever wants to be great must be a servant among them. My question tonight is, is that what we'll be? Let's pray.